0: Welcome to I Got Back Up, Getting Back Up With. I'm Talia Lazarus, the founder of I Got Back Up. And in August 2021, my life changed. I was in a road accident, which led me to 10 weeks of no walking, knee surgery that September, and then double knee surgery in February 2022. After learning how to walk again in my 20s, my journey took me through greatest highs and extreme lows. Everybody has a story, and everyone's story is different. But even in the smallest of ways, we can all relate. And as humans, we always talk about when someone is back up or how, why, and when something happened. We tend not to discuss the middle part, the recovery, the journey, the darkness, and the continuous roller coaster of ups and downs. It's a taboo subject for most, but here it's not. You have the chance to change your story. So come face to face with your fears and step out into the unknown. You don't have to be ruled by those fearful and negative emotions anymore because there is so much beauty and adventure on the other side. You can face all your obstacles and walls with us and those around you. You are not alone, we are stronger together. Lost in a place he had been hundreds of times, Danny Ohms hung his head in surrender as he realised he wasn't whom he wanted to be and his life wasn't headed in the right direction. Years of drinking led Danny to sobriety, and once sober he understood that the alcohol had been masking his view of the world. Once he changed his lens, he noticed how much beauty and love there is out there. Everyday experiences can become extraordinary. Finding the miracles in the mystery and the meaning in the mundane. Maintaining who Danny is in a world that is constantly trying to change him is one of his greatest accomplishments. A Memoirs of an Ordinary Guy, written by Danny himself, is an inspiring read of finding love and joy in ordinary everyday experiences. So today I'm with Danny. How are you?
1: I'm doing well, Talia. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing well as well. So where in the world are you? Uh,
1: I'm in Washington, D.C. or just outside in the suburbs of, of Washington, D.C., Northern Virginia.
0: Very nice. Very nice. I've not been that way yet, but Washington is on my list. So <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of places on the list, but that's kind of, you know, I think that's in the one of the most interesting and fun parts of life is to you know, have a list and see where it takes you.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, where Where are you in the world?
0: So I'm in London. Uh, oh, no. I'm in London. So yeah, we, are. we're still in the phase at the moment where we are defrosting the cars. <laughs> so, right. uh, I don't feel like I've ever had to defrost a car so much in my life before until this year. So it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, this is where we are at the moment. <laughs> yeah. So obviously we're going to talk all about your story. Um, start kind of wherever you want to start and the floor is over to you.
1: Sure. No, absolutely. Uh, and thank you for, for having me. I'm grateful for the opportunity. Uh, I, I think, you know, writing a book and, and putting your life story into the world uh, creates a lot of opportunities. And this is one of them. I, I'm certainly grateful for, you know, the opportunity to meet people like you uh, to reach people that might be struggling in, in the way that I struggled uh, you know, we all uh, deal with different things in life, but I, I think some of the common lessons uh, are, are there. Uh yeah you know, all the struggles have, you know, kind of similar roots in, in one, one way or another. So uh, I'm just grateful to, to tell my story and to do it in a very, you know, sincere and and direct way. I think that, you know, I think that maybe is, is what's lacking in the world a little bit, you know, yeah. uh, and it's just, it's very fun and, uh, you know, meaningful to c- connect with people, uh, you know, real, real human connections, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Even virtually though, because they're still, you know, even though virtually it's, it's connecting with the right people about the right, you know, the similar things or even dissimilar things, but it is, it's being able to share, you know, whatever's going on in your story in, yeah, in the right way.
1: You know, I, uh, the first couple chapters of my book walk the reader through a very dark period of my life. And that period was one where I struggled with alcohol and Uh, you know, if I go back to like my college days or my high school days, or maybe since the first sip of alcohol I ever had on the outside, it looked like I drank like most people, you know, and being a high school student and a college student, you know, that, that's sort of like, you know, it's the binge drinking, it's the drinking to get drunk. It's the, you know, it's just kind of letting loose. And from the outside, I probably looked like any average, you know, any average student or any average partier. Uh, But I always knew that I did not drink the same way, that I did not have an off switch, so to speak. Uh, That when I got started, it was very difficult for me to stop. Yeah. And, you know, that started pouring over into my adult life a bit. And, you know, I was never a daily drinker. I didn't crave it. I didn't uh, didn't really like the way it made me feel, to be quite Mm -hmm. honest with you. Um, But at the time, I was somewhat dissatisfied with where I was in life. I wasn't finding too many things that were interesting me, you know, professionally. Uh, You know, a lot of my relationships that I had from college and high school, you know, people start to go their separate ways and you start to, you know, have to create a life of your own. Well, uh, you know, I I was very dissatisfied with where that was. And, uh, you know, having a drink did did help that out. It was a bit of an escape. But again, I did not drink like most people. Um, I wasn't a daily drinker. Again, I didn't crave it. But when I, once I got started, it was very difficult to stop. And where that ended up, maybe, I mean, long story short, where that ended up is it ended up in three trips to the emergency room and a kind of an overnight or two-day uh, stay at a, at a drug and alcohol you know, rehab facility in, in my hometown. Um, so I had a couple, I had some, you know, I had a, a a year there where there was a pretty significant downward spiral in my life. Um, I remember one event in particular kind of uh, before all that happened. I was at a a local driving range and golf was something that I enjoyed very much. And, uh, and I went to the driving range and I was hitting balls, but every that I hit was less satisfying than one before, you know, it was terribly hot outside. I was, you know, very hungover. I was sweating bullets. I wasn't feeling good to begin with. Um, but I came to it like a momentary pause on the mat there at the driving range. And uh, I use the star Wars reference in the book because there's that scene in, in star Wars where Luke Skywalker looks across the desert and he's somewhat frustrated with where he is in life. And, you know, he's asking his grandparents that he wants to go off to this, you know, school and be a, yeah. Fighter pilot, and they say, "No, you got to stay on the farm, and be a farmer for another season." And he looks across that desert to that dueling setting, Suns of Tatooine, and that Force Theme by John Williams starts playing. And it's that iconic moment for him, right? It's that quintessential moment where he takes the next step in his life. Yeah. And I had that similar type of experience at the driving range. And just before I had this experience, I, you know, I started getting this odd dis- sense of disorientation, like the mm-hmm. feeling you get lost when, you know, the feeling you get when you're you know, you're, you're somewhere, you don't know where you are, where you're lost. Except I was lost in a place that I had been hundreds of times. Mm -hmm. And, um, and again, I had this moment on the mat and I just, I gazed across the horizon and I sort of just hung my head in surrender because I knew that I wasn't who I wanted to be. I knew that my life was not headed in the right direction. And it was from that point forward that, you know, I had an odd sense that I had to leave. And, you know, that's a much longer story of, of what happened after that, but it led me off in the right direction. At the same time, it led me into a, a, a tailspin and a downward spiral that I just talked about. But it was the direction I needed to go, um, and you know, it, it was just a it, it was an odd it was an odd day, but it it led me you know to where I needed to go.
0: Mm. Do you think it was a, an epiphany of sorts?
1: I do uh, because. You know, I had some experiences that, you know, I I, I never left a, a bucket of balls on, you know, half hit. Uh, I've never had that feeling of being lost. And all that sort of culminated into one moment where I was just, you know, and then I had this odd feeling that I had to leave. Well, that that me leaving at that particular moment at that exact time led me to a very chance encounter with an old friend. And um and it led me back down sort of a, you know, a, a reestablishing of my faith, one, mm-hmm. and into some environments that helped me, you know, get out of, of the situation that I was yeah. in. Um, very much a personal epiphany.
0: Yeah. I think it's really interesting because you said the moment you left at that exact time, you know, you then had the chance encounter and you had this feeling to leave. Um I mean, everything happens for a reason. I, you know, strongly believe. And so, in what you just said, is you know, you had to leave for that reason, and then you know, it led you on to, you know, where you are now. And kind of, what are what are some of the things then that you know it did lead you on to?
1: It led me back on a path of faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was raised as a Christian. I've weaved my way through many, many different faith traditions in in, in the in the Protestant faiths uh, I've explored. I mean, I've read hundreds of books on hundreds of different subjects and, and thousands of pages of material on religion and spirituality and uh, even on some, you know, new age philosophies. Uh, so it, it very much catalyzed an interest in spirituality and faith. Uh, so that was one mm-hmm. uh, that brought me into a comfort with the world that doesn't didn't come for me. I can't speak for anybody else, but uh, that investigation um, cured a lot of that dissatisfaction that I talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've said in, in a number of times that you you can't, you know, you have to explore the world to be comfortable in it, mm-hmm. and faith in that curiosity and something higher. I was always a, you know, I wanted to be a physicist when I was growing up. I was fascinated Mm -hmm. with the world around me. The awesome complexity and wonder of the universe is just mind boggling. And that's what I wanted to do with my life. And, uh, as I started to read a lot more about religion and spirituality, it's those things uh, actually kind of converged on one another. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it just brought about a comfort and a peace that is hard to replicate with other things. And, And I believe that, you know, alcohol cannot compete with the feeling that I have now as a result of those things, so that, that, that you know, it's pretty profound in my life.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then, obviously, you know, it led you to becoming sober, correct?
1: Right. Uh, so, my sobriety date was, if I can remember this now, January <laughs> 21st, 2006. So, I okay. uh, came up on 17 years of, of not having a drip of alcohol. I never missed it. Like I said, I didn't even like the way it made me feel, I remember sitting in bed on so many different nights and asking myself, why do I keep doing this? Why You know, yeah. why I don't feel good. You know, it's masking uh, such a beautiful world that's out there. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I wrote this book on the subtlety of life. Well, alcohol and, you know, whatever obsessive behaviors that we have in life uh, can start to view that world through a different lens. And why do that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So much beauty and so much love in the world that, I didn't want anything to affect that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the thing as well, is people don't realize how beautiful the world is and how many amazing things happen, you know, as soon as you open your eyes in the morning. Um, And a lot of it can be masked by so many different things. Um, So it's, it's definitely a really interesting concept. And then obviously you've written your most recent book, correct? The Memoirs of an Ordinary Guy? That's correct. Yep. So, what was the so was your obviously all your story and everything that happened that was the inspiration behind wanting to write it?
1: Uh, a lot of it, yes. Uh, all of the things that I you know just talked about are are stuff yeah. that uh, comprise the first several chapters of the book, uh, but then it, it sort of transitions into my experience, sort of as an ordinary person, and turning the ordinary into the extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the experience that inspired me to write the book was. I was pulling into my parking garage at work one day. This is about 10 years ago. And, and I actually backed into the parking space, which was fortuitous. I didn't, I didn't usually do that. I usually pulled forward (laughs) into a parking space, but luckily enough, I, I backed into the parking space and I saw in front of me something that absolutely changed my life, but it was quite ordinary. It was this elderly woman with a, a Mickey Mouse shirt walking by the front of my car. And in her hand was something that actually that, it just absolutely changed my life. It was a gym bag. Mm-hmm. And and this woman had to be somewhere between 90 and 95 years old. I was just stunned by the scene in front of me. And it gave me yeah. the chills. And when I say the chills, it was like a ringing from head to toe. I could actually hear the energy that was kind of surging through my body. And 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 the only thing that I drew from that was that I had this experience with an otherwise total stranger mm-hmm. on just an average day. And how many beautiful things have I missed? And how many and and I came to the conclusion that if I can have that experience, I, I could have it over and over again. Yeah. And and I committed myself to keeping a small journal of experiences like that, that when you keep your eyes open and you view the world a little differently and you're patient, um the most wonderful things come to you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And they're life changing, right?
0: Mm hmm. Yeah. And I think because you discuss about it being like you said, like, you know, everyday experiences, but also it being an extraordinary life.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I not to be critical of there's a lot of wonderful books that are written in the self-help yeah. genre and the inspirational motivational genre. But a lot of the ones that I've read uh, they are of things where people have done extraordinary things, whether it's an athletic achievement or running a business or making a lot of money. And I don't know if that's accessible for everybody. You know, we're not mm-hmm. all, all gonna be in a millionaire. We're all not gonna be the president of a big company. We, uh, we don't, we're not gonna run ultra marathons and, and break records. So how do you turn the ordinary experience into an extraordinary life? It, and that's what I've written about. I think the one piece of feedback that I've gotten from everybody. Is they're they're like this reminds me of my story. Mm. This reminds me of the things that I have long forgotten because they're fleeting moments in life. Yeah, Right.
0: yeah. I think that's a really interesting point that you said though. Is because a lot of a lot of the people that maybe we look up to, or a lot of the people that we see in the media, they are they are CEOs or they are you know people that are running ultras and smashing records, et cetera, et cetera, and a lot of people. Obviously, you know, if you dream big enough and you dream hard enough, hundred percent you get there. but a lot of the time people do sit there and they think, but you know you know how how am I gonna do something like this and, and and it's finding kind of the understanding of you know like you said it's 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 just the everyday experiences can be extraordinary and a lot of people don't realize that is I think what I'm trying to say is that people don't realize that some of the smallest things that happen outside your window are absolutely amazing you just need to maybe understand why or how and they can help you to achieve these incredible dreams
1: yeah and and for me what was the end goal the end goal was never about money or fame or uh breaking records the the greatest accomplishment was one maintaining who i was as an individual you know ralph waldo emerson says you know um to to maintain to to stay who you are in a world that is trying to make you anything but that is yeah. the greatest accomplishment I'm paraphrasing there but that that's basically what he said uh and the other greatest accomplishment is is finding peace and love in your life and that is something everybody can do
0: yeah
1: that is that is a choice at the end of the day of of how you view the things that happen to you um that, yeah. cho- that choice that freedom is really never taken away
0: yeah but again you're right when you say that the world, um, whether it's us, you know, social circles, our families, you know, our inner circles, outer circles, whoever it is, the world is trying to make us people that we're not uh, to fit in, you know, to conform to things that, you know, maybe some of us don't want to or shouldn't, but we end up sometimes just on the, you know, the, the spiral and the loop and, we kind of can get sucked into it and it, it, it's kind of establishing and understanding that you are a whole person and you can be exactly, exactly who you want to be and do the things you exactly want to do just because your best friend isn't doing them or your family isn't doing it or the guys at work do it differently. So what, <laughs> you know, if you want to do it, you can.
1: Absolutely. I mean, one of the chapters of my book is entirely about, uh, the, the self perceptions or the perceived weaknesses that right. I had, I thought that's what the world was telling me, right? I thought yeah. the world was wanted me to be the things that I felt that I was not very good at. There was a lot of different yeah. things, but as it turned out, and I got to a place in my own life, I didn't want to be any of those things anyway. They weren't who I was. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I yeah. thought the world was telling me. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think self honesty and, and self reflection is, is very important. That, that's you know, a common theme that I write about all throughout my book. Yeah. Uh, So.
0: And also you discuss in the book, you discuss miracles, don't you? Um, And how people can make their own miracles.
1: Yeah. Actually, I I start off a chapter, the first chapter that I, that I write about, you know, seeing the old woman. Well, the the quote that precedes that chapter is from the movie Bruce Almighty, (laughs) which is, there's a scene where Morgan Freeman and Jim Carrey are sort of debating what a miracle is and, you know, mm-hmm. why, why did, what is, is this a miracle versus that? Does this person deserve a miracle versus that person? And Morgan Freeman looks at him and he says, a single mom who's working two jobs mm-hmm. and still finds a time to take her kid to soccer practice. You know, that's yeah. a miracle. Uh, the teenager who says no to drugs and yes to an education. That's a miracle. Yeah, And it's the last line that that I like the most. He says, people want me to do everything for them but yeah. what they don't realize is that they have the power. And he says, "You want to see a miracle son, you know, be the miracle." Yeah. And 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 I write a lot about everyday miracles because yeah. I think miracles are mostly of our own making.
0: And I think that's the thing as well. It's it's the it's the perception and and the perspective about about those things, you know, it's about you were saying you know the woman that has you know the the two kids and still takes their kids to soccer practice you know some people might look at that and they'll be like how's that a miracle but it is you know it is and and I think that's again something that people need to look into you know with their own lives like we were saying you know you just what's going on outside your window or when you wake up in the morning those little things that you are doing those tiny little habits or whatever they are they, you know, a lot of them are miracles. You just need to understand that and and see it from a different point of view. Because I think a lot of people won't see it from that. They'll see it from maybe more of a uh, this is mundane or this is, you know, this is my life. But actually, some of them are miracles.
1: Yeah, I mean, the one quote you used, used the word from the chapter. You know, I think that whatever created us, uh, whether you consider it God or the universe or whatever, I think that. What makes them the most proud is for us to find what I said, the miracles and the mystery. Yeah. And meaning in the mundane. And I, I think you hit on it, like that how do you make sense out of an ordinary life?
0: Yeah.
1: How do you get inspired? You know, by everything that you see day-to-day, everything that you see is, is an astonishing miracle. Mm. Um, and, you know. I think if more people viewed that way, I think we'd have less situations like we do in the world, frankly. Mm-hmm. And um you know, I write a lot about you know, you talk about the media, you talk about just the world in general. We we get bombarded with information on a daily basis and a lot of it's negative. Um so I've written a book that hopefully will inspire people to to see the positive in the things that they see around them. And see the love and the energy that, that is there.
0: Yeah. I think that's the thing as well as love. I think that's a really important word. Um, And I don't just mean the love for your partner um, because you can give love to anything, anyone, anything, you know, any, anything. And I think it's bringing love into your day as well in almost everything you do. I think it's really important. And I, again, I don't think a lot of people realize how important love is. Like I said, not just for your partner.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I I told you earlier, I'm a, I'm a huge, like, physics geek, and you know, <laughs> the 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 awesome complexity of nature in the universe is is, is beyond human understanding. It is something okay. that even the greatest mathematicians and physicists on the planet are scratching their head as to why <laughs> and how it works this way. But I, I say that, you know, in, in response to what you just said, that lo- love is the language of the universe. It's the language of, of, of the world. It's something that everybody can understand. Mm-hmm. it's not some esoteric equation on paper. Yeah. And I think that we were built to under, to have that singular understanding in life.
0: Yeah. And that can be, I mean, that can be anything that can be putting on your headphones and dancing to your favorite song, but just with so much passion, um, mm-hmm. you know, that's what I mean. It can be anything, but just feeling or giving or showing some sort of love and appreciation is extremely important. Absolutely. So where can people find your book?
1: So I have a website up. Uh, it's uh, www.dannyolms.com, And there are links to Amazon, Apple Books. Uh, you can find the, the book anywhere on any of the online re- retailers. Um, you know, I'm doing events like this. So there's a news and media page with interviews uh, and, and some written things that I've done on the website. Uh, plus, I'm, uh, I have another project i'm working on so there's a, a teaser out there as well
0: <laughs> perfect perfect and what, what advice then would you give to somebody that's um that's maybe they're before that epiphany moment that you had you know the golfing range you know they're before there, and they they're struggling um sure. but they don't know they haven't had that moment yet because not everybody has that moment sometimes people don't but they need someone just to sometimes give them a nudge. what would you say to them
1: i would say that Would tell the world. Yeah. Because when you tell the world, the world will respond generally. Mm-hmm. The world will love you. They'll hold you accountable. They'll check in. Yeah. Uh, whether it's telling the world that you're gonna write a book or that you're struggling with alcohol or whatever it is, the world will check in with you. And when they ask you, How are how are you doing? Are you still sober? Are you How's that book coming?
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, it's very important to have a good answer to that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And for me, I'm not going to lie. A lot of it's ego. <laughs> you know, you don't want to think that something got the better of you. Yeah. Y- you want to, you know, remain true to the things that you tell people. If you tell somebody you're going to write a book, you're going to do it. You know, you honor your word, but at the end of the day, it's, about the world filling you with support and love and understanding. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people withhold those things from the world because they think the world will judge them. Well, that's not the case. The world will love you. Yeah. The world will admire what you're doing. Um, because you're, 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 you're telling the world that you're making a decision to live,
0: mm-hmm.
1: live well. You know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. So how are you, how are you doing now then? Uh, you know, how is everything now?
1: Uh, every, everything is great. I have, uh, you know, two eleven-year-old twins that I adore. <laughs> uh, frankly, you know, I, I there's nothing on the planet that I wouldn't want to do more than go to their soccer and baseball games. Yeah. Uh, supporting them, uh, watching them grow up. Yeah, I dedicated the book to them.
0: Mm-hmm. You
1: know, they're they're the reason why I, I know what love is. Mm-hmm. Like you said, there's the love of a partner, but. um I can say that, you know, the love of a child is something different.
0: Yeah, and, I've heard that has before. brought me
1: a, a lot of comfort and a lot of happiness and a lot of purpose in, in my life, frankly.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's really lovely to hear. And then just wanted to ask as well, you know, from when you were, you know, from obviously being sober, then, you know, when you weren't, mentally obviously that's it's very different head and very different shifts were you able to really identify the difference you know with your mind as well
1: oh absolutely i you know I, and i'll answer this uh in in context to kind of what yeah. you know the goal that you have right now in, in running a, a half marathon um i was always sort of a fitness person my yeah. whole life I spent a lot of time in the gym i spent a lot of time doing athletic things but running was never something I was very good at because uh, especially at the end or the last couple of years of my struggle with alcohol, it was impossible for me to go out and run because I couldn't get myself into a mental space that was one healthy and, you know, and to run and to be good at it, you really have to get out there and divorce yourself with thoughts um, yeah. and just have to sort of go. And in my sort of diseased state at the time, it was very difficult to do that. So running was not enjoyable. It was a chore. I, I didn't have the endurance. Mm -hmm. mentally and physically to do it um and when i quit quit drinking you know i found a love of running and um competed in a number of marathons i've done an ultra marathon and it's a very cathartic and therapeutic tool in my life i was only able to do that after i was able to get into a better mental space like you said
0: Yeah, it's really interesting. That's a really interesting point that you made, actually. And you're right, because I only I only noticed it. I only noticed it. I think it was either last week or the week before when I was running one day. And um, I think I got off and I think I was on the treadmill and I got off and I thought to myself, what did I just think about for a whole hour? And I couldn't nothing. I I don't think I thought about I mean, maybe, you know, thoughts here and there, but things that I could significantly remember. Nothing. But that's a good, I'm, I'm saying that's a good thing because it was almost like meditation for like nearly an hour. But I got off and I, I was just in shock at myself how like, nothing came in. But like I said, that was a good thing. Um, And it just, it showed me and I spoke to a few other people who had the same and it showed me that you're right. You know, it, it, it's a way to clear your mind. And if your mind is clear, it's 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 incredible what it can do. <laughs>
1: And, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because I, I, I've spoken a lot about this very thing. And uh, there's a wonderful quote out there that says it's very difficult to run and feel sorry for yourself at the same time. Yeah. And I, I, I'm the same as you. When I'm out there running, uh, I'm not thinking about my to-do list. I'm not worrying about the yeah. future. I'm not regretting the past. I'm not, yeah. you know, all those things are what take you out of the present moment. And we, either it's anxiety for the future, or fear or uh, regret and, and sort of anger, unforgiven <laughs> resentments for the past. Uh, so it's amazing what you do think about when those things yeah. are not, are not, you're not capable of having those thoughts, like you said.
0: Yeah. And I think that's the important thing about whatever it is in life, whether it's running or whatever it is that you find when you are, when you take those Thoughts of the present or the future, or the so not the present of the past or the future, or the you know the to do list or the work or anything that's negative or you know anxiety provoking. When you take those thoughts out, even if it's for five minutes, it's amazing what mm-hmm. comes in, and it's amazing what comes in and where you can take your mind and your body, where you can take yourself in, however many minutes or hours that moment is.
1: I, I couldn't agree more. If if you were walking around my neighborhood, you would have seen me talking into my watch because a lot of the inspiration for my book and a lot of the ways that I wanted to tell the stories that are in there came while I was running. Yeah. And, uh, and I was just dictating random thoughts into my watch that I would (laughs) later then go write about. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. See, I love things like that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I do. So is there anything else that you want to share or discuss today?
1: No, I'm just curious about your story too. I mean, uh, Tell me about your upcoming run.
0: Yeah, so I'm running my very first half marathon. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. Depending on when this episode airs, it will either I would have already done it or I'll be in the process of leading up to it. But I am. I'm going for my first half marathon, um, which it's interesting because I used to be somebody who whenever I used to see people doing marathons or half marathons or running any further than 10 kilometers, I just used to think, wow, like I could never do that. I I used to think it was impossible. I used to think I could never do it. I never want to put my mind through it. I never want to put my body through it. I never want to do it. And it's so interesting what happens when you then say to yourself, I'm going to do it yep. uh, to kind of show up to fear I think I was scared all the time. I, You know, I was saying it was impossible. I think I was just scared I would fail. I was scared my body couldn't do it or I wouldn't have the, you know, the the mind, the capacity to do it. And, you know, once you show up to fear and you say, "Okay, here's the fear. You know, I'm going to I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. So to be able for me to, you know, like I said, with all with all of that in mind, but then also, um, you know, February, it's not long. Actually, the 25th of February is my year anniversary to my second knee operation, so my double knee operation. So uh, to be, you know, also somebody that has had two knee operations, you know, I relearned how to walk and I didn't walk for 10 weeks and then to now be running a half marathon I think that is as well for me, it's, it's to show myself like, the, you know, just what I'm capable of, uh, especially my legs, my knees, but also yeah. it's, I, I want to show other people as well. You know, it's, it's to show everybody else that there is hope and, you know, life can knock you down, but not only can you get back up, but you can get back up stronger and better and happier and just than ever before.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, you know, congratulations. It takes a lot of strength. It takes a lot of, uh, faith in yourself. Uh, it, it certainly, it proves that you're in a, in a, in a very good mental place. Um, and it proves you're sort of fearless, right? Um, <laughs> I think, you know, there's a wonderful, uh, another wonderful running quote. My the entire last chapter of my book is about running. It's called the road. Um, but the quote is the difference between those of us at the starting line and those of us on the couch is that we learn through run- running, to take what the day gives us, what our body will allow us and what our will will tolerate. And all of those are very different things Like your body can tell you one thing, um, but there's a there's always another gear that the human body can go into um, and it can do, you know, pretty cool things. Honestly,
0: yeah, yeah. I love that you said that because I, you know, I'm doing a training plan, and the run I had this morning was to run 10 kilometers. Um, and it was a 10 kilometers, I did it on the treadmill, and for some reason, this morning, after three and a half kilometers, my body, my body was just it. I I could tell my body didn't want to continue. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's really interesting that you said this quote today because. I I remember three and a half kilometers in and I, my body didn't want to continue. And it's, you know, opposite the mirror, the treadmill. And I remember th- looking at myself and saying to myself, I, I could so give up. You know, my body is tired, but it is. It's it's, it's telling yourself and, and shifting your gear, knowing that I can do this. I might feel tired, but I can do this. And then slowly, slowly, I put the speed higher and higher and higher. And then every time I put the speed up one bit, one bit more, i was able to kind of sit back and my uh, you know think about myself and say you know my body is telling me it's really tired but i'm going faster and faster so there's some you know there's something else going on here that's not just tired and that was my point was that you're right you can shift up and you can level up a gear without sometimes even realizing but you can you know you can continue to do things without even you know your body can do amazing things
1: yeah i mean i can tell you that all of my best friends were when I felt the worst to start. And, uh, and I don't know what it is. I, one time I, I, I heard something that made a lot of sense to me that, um, when you run with love in your heart, that is the greatest fuel of all. It's not like some people think that getting under a bench press and, and getting angry and, you know, uh, and conjuring up all these negative emotions that will help you release them and, you know, using that as your energy source. But, no, the, the, when you run from the heart, when you run from a, a position of love, I think that, you know, that is is the greatest fuel of all. Uh, and I think, you know, I, I said that those, those runs where I felt the worst were the best runs. I think it was a, the, the release of, um, you know, bad emotions. Uh, yeah. And, 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 you know, I don't know.
0: Yeah. Sometimes it is, uh, sometimes there isn't an answer. I, I know, I know by your, I don't know what you mean. Um, sometimes it's, it's not a, it's not a thought. You can't say it in words, but you just know how it made you feel.
1: Well, it's, uh, I, I think making, you know, for me, I don't know. It was, it was like making more space for, for positive energy, uh, yeah. was what fueled me the most. Um, Again, running from the heart, running from love, uh, having, you know, you know, good thoughts fuel you. I, there's a lot of stories in my book about things that I've encountered while running that, um, absolutely feel like a shot in the arm of adrenaline, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 Definitely. Definitely. Well, my next run's in two days. So uh I'm gonna I'm gonna run from the, I'm gonna make sure I run completely from the heart in two days time. <laughs>
1: exactly.
0: But I think it's I think it's the I think it's if you think if you're like you've said, you're running from the heart, running with love, it's the positivity that's fueling you rather than the negativity that's Yeah. Because negativity in general, I mean, yeah, it's great to push a grip, you know, a heavy weight, but how much can you sustain the negativity? The positivity is the thing that fuels you forward. Yeah.
1: yeah, and it's probably, you know, I just remember some of those greatest runs. I've just felt, you know, I, I was kind of pissed off <laughs> about something during the day or I was, you know, feeling sorry for myself or just feeling, yeah. you, know, just, you know, bad place. And then once you go, it seems like it's all yeah. like, all that go, like you rid yourself of it. Um, but again, that's not the primary energy source. It's making way for, it's getting all of those negative emotions out of the way. So the positive ones can, can fuel you. Um, I know that sounds sort of esoteric and weird, but like, for me, that's been my experience, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Believe me, some of the runs I've done, I was in one, you know, headspace before. And then as soon as I was finished, I just felt amazing. And those thoughts could still come, but they didn't make me feel at all the same.
1: You're just kind of okay with it, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're just okay with it. So it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today. Thank you so much for joining me and for sharing your story. And um, yeah, if anyone can grab a copy of the book, then definitely do, because I think these kind of books are amazing for people in every way. So thank you. Thank you, Danny, for joining me. Remember to pick up a copy of his book, Memoirs of an Ordinary Guy, today. So this week, try to keep your eyes open and see if you can view the world differently. If you are patient, the most wonderful things will come to you. You can make your everyday experiences extraordinary from the moment you wake up. So see what you notice and how they can help you to achieve your dreams. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next time.